Amen. Okay, we'll meet you out there. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 3 through 14. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Thank you, God, for your word that invites us to trust and obey your commands. Thank you, thank you, Brian and uh, Aaron and the rest of the band. And uh, hey, everybody, all of you here who got in your car and parked here, and all of you who got out of your bed and parked in front of the computer. We are all one faith family in Jesus. Uh, and I would invite all of you to come back here today at 5 o'clock to hear our district superintendent, Chad Engelmeyer, uh, talk about reasons he wants to share about staying in the United Methodist Church. He told me it'll be about an hour, it might be a little less, uh, and I think whatever your persuasion is, one way or the other, or undecided, it would be good to come and to hear it. And, of course, as Russ was saying, next Sunday is our all-church conference. Um, uh, and if you know someone who might not be able to attend, might not be able to get there, would you call them and offer to give them a ride? Even if you think they probably are not going to vote the same way you are. Just do it anyway, okay? Give them a ride. And uh, I would say some of you who are here today, even if you drove here during the day, Maybe you don't drive at night, and uh, this, but it'll be dark by the time that meeting gets over next week, so ask somebody. Call somebody up. Hey, would you pick me up, take me home? And uh, so I want every member here who wants to be here 
because I know you love your church and I want all of you to be a part of this decision. Now I'm going to ask if you will stand if you're able. And uh, today we will reaffirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. Will you join with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Well, it was 43 years ago this month, 43 years ago this month, that I asked Trisha Link if she would marry me. Yeah. How did, how did I know that she was right for me? You know, that's a hard thing to know, isn't it? How did I know that I was right for her? How did I know if we would have what it takes to last through better and worse? Well, I think there were a few reasons. I knew because, one way, I couldn't imagine my life without her. At least I didn't want to imagine my life without her. You know, December, the month before, we spent most of it apart because we were on uh, break from seminary. And uh, by then, back then, talking on the telephone long distance was expensive. And uh, so we couldn't do that every day. We wrote letters. Can you imagine that? <laughs> but still, still, how did I know? Well, after Christmas, she flew to Kentucky, to Nebraska, to meet my family, and she just fit in beautifully. They loved her. And, and a few days later, as, as Trish and I were leaving to return to Kentucky, uh, as we were saying our goodbyes, my dad came up to her and said, You've brought a lot of joy into this family. So how did I know? I knew because of my family's love for her. The spring before we were married, we attended a marriage preparation uh, weekend for engaged couples. Well, uh, we listened to several speakers, and then we had a time to be one-on-one you know, -on -one together and, and talk about what we'd heard. We also took a temperament inventory and had a private consultation with the pastor. And the pastor brought up something from that temperament inventory that, that could be a potential issue for us. It hadn't been a problem yet, but we committed that if and when it did, we would deal with it. So how did I know I should marry her? I knew because we were committed to working through our difficulties, whatever they were. This is week two in our series, If We Walk in the Light. It's based on the first letter of John. And the people John is writing to, they need reassurance that they belong to Jesus. They, they need to know that they are his. So let's open our Bibles to that. First John, 
I'm going to go into chapter 2, starting with verse 3. And all of you worshiping online, I hope you'll be able to, to grab a Bible and follow along because we're going to be walking through these verses. Now, the faith family that, that John has been writing to has been through a big church split. False teachers came in bringing a brand of Christianity influenced by Gnostic philosophy. And, they, and in this Gnostic philosophy, they denied Jesus' humanity, including his death and resurrection. They pulled people away from the congregation and apparently told those who stayed, you don't really know Jesus. So John writes this letter to build them up. He wants them to confidently know that they are Jesus' people. And that's what I hope that this letter and this series will do for you. Build you up so that you can confidently know that you belong to him. Anyway, here's the heart of today's message. We know we belong to Jesus if we keep seeking to do four things. Do what he said, live like he lived, love God, and love one another. And of course, this is a journey, right? It's, it's a process. We, we keep growing into it. Let's say it together, shall we? We know we belong to Jesus if we keep seeking to do what he said, live like he lived, love God, and love one another. Okay, so if your Bible's open, let's look at uh, verse 3. It says, we know, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. There's that big word, if, again. We have confidence that we personally know Jesus when we do what he says. Jesus, what did Jesus say? Well, a bunch of things. I hope you're reading them and feeding on them all the time. Jesus said to love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. The people who are giving you all kinds of grief, making life trouble for you. Now, that's a challenge, but we do it. Jesus said to trust God and don't worry about your daily needs. Now, that is easier said than done as well, but it's our goal. Jesus said to repent of our sins and seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Now, the Gnostic teachers didn't do that. They said, we know Jesus, but then they, they, they lived like and believed that, that grace gave them the freedom to do whatever they pleased. They were some naughty Gnostics. Jesus talks about, or John talks about them in verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Their words and their actions aren't lining up. Because if they really knew Jesus, if they really belonged to him, they would, they would be looking like him. They would be doing some of the things that he did. Verse 5 starts out, but if anyone does obey his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And the Greek word for made complete, teleao, can also be translated made perfect. John Wesley, the leader of the Methodist revival in the 1700s, loved this verse. He, he used this verse a lot. He said that by grace, we can perfectly love God even in this life. Did you know that? Now, our part is to dedicate our lives completely to God and, and keep doing the things that keep us close to God. 
Now, in this life, we are never going to experience the kind of perfection that makes us incapable of sin. Not going to happen. That's, that's not what he's talking about. But, but we can have times when we love God as is fully possible for us. Perfect love isn't about having these, these mushy-gushy feelings for God. Oh, God, I'm so love you. I'm so near to you. You might have those, but that's not what this is about. It's about trusting him so much that it shows in our daily lives. For example, those of you who are married, it's, it's like loving your spouse. The highest love you will have for your spouse is not when you're feeling especially attracted to him or her. You know, like hubba hubba. The highest love is when you sacrifice for your spouse. You give up that trip to Ireland with your friends because he's having some medical tests and you don't want him to be alone. You drive all night from Cincinnati to surprise her and be home for her birthday. And you know it's the same with the smaller sacrifices of life. You volunteer to to go out at night when it's snowing to pick up her prescription at the pharmacy. You volunteer to wash the dishes even when it's his turn because he's brought all this extra work from home that he's got to get done tonight. Sacrifice is perfect love, even if it's just for that moment. And our love for God is the same way. It shows in our actions. Uh, Here's what we said before. We know we belong to Jesus if we keep seeking to do what he said. Live like he lived. Love God and love one another. The end of verse 5 returns to uh, when it says, this is how we know. It says, this is how we know we are in him, which means belong to him. Verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live how? As Jesus did. The Greek word uh, live is literally walk, but here it means how you live your life. No, not literally how you walk, you know. And so living as Jesus lived, I mean, that's some big shoes to fill. But that's what we aim for. We don't want to aim. It's hard to reach it, but we don't want to aim for anything less. We want to walk in his light. We want to live in his truth. Some years ago, we were in worship. um, We were singing a song that we had sung many times before. I, I knew a lot of it by heart. And the refrain says, every day, every day, it's you I live for. Every day, I'll follow after you. Every day, I'll walk with you, my Lord. And then, out of nowhere, something happened I did not expect. Tears began welling up in my eyes. And a few came out. Now, that's kind of surprising. I don't usually get so emotional. But that day, I did because I realized that for me, the song is true. I'm living for Jesus. This, this, is, this is me. This is my life. I, I, I'm living for him and walking with him every day as best I can, fumbling it sometimes, picking up, starting over. Verses 3 through 6, that first paragraph is about how we belong to Jesus and how our love for God is made complete. The next paragraph is about how we love one another. 
You know, that uh, Jesus took that command, love your neighbor as yourself. That's from the Old Testament. And he made it the new command, love one another. So verses 7 and 8, follow with me, would you? It says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, that is, in Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. See, Jesus makes that old command come to light. Because of Jesus, that, that darkness is passing away and is giving to light so that this love is now possible for us. This is how we know we belong to Jesus we love one another. We love one another. Let's say this one more time, shall we? We know we belong to Jesus if we keep seeking to do what he said, live like he lived, love God, and love one another. And notice what he said, that, that living like he lived is about, and what he, doing what he said is about a life of righteousness. He wants us to do more than just be nice to each other, okay? He wants us to live a life of righteousness. And yet, he wants us to do more than live a life of, of righteousness in any kind of just technical sense. He wants us to love God and love people. And it's, and it's both, and they've got to all blend together. This is what it means to be Jesus' people. And I want you to know how proud I am of you. You know, we, we, in this last six months, we've been through a very difficult time. And a week from today, we will decide our future denomination. And I want you to know, people have good, godly reasons for their decisions on both sides. I hope you agree with that. But it can be tense. And yet, I have seen you, and you have continued to love one another. I've seen it. it I, I just want to thank you for that. You, you are like a light shining in the darkness, because it's, sometimes it's been hard, but you have done it. I talked with our district superintendent, Chad Engelmeyer, uh, this week, and, and so we set it all up for him to come tonight. And, you know, I look at that now and I realize, oh, you know, I should have, should have invited him to come last fall. That would have been better. Um, the timing would have been better. I, I, I apologize to you that I, I didn't do it, didn't think of it then. The, the faith family that John is writing to has been through some rough times. The, the Gnostic teachers and those who follow them have, have left and those who remain are trying to recover. Many of the Bible commentators agree with John Wesley that in verses 12 through 14, uh, those that he calls fathers probably represent men and women who are more mature in the faith. Okay? And the young men probably refer to Christians who are at an earlier place in their journey. But we're all God's children. That's all of us. 
So I'd like to wrap up today's message uh, by reading these verses with you. And I'll put it on the screen, so we'll read it from there. And uh, I'll read the first part of each sentence, and then we'll all join together in the last part in bold. And as we read it, I want you to imagine that John, this elderly saint, maybe he's kind of bent over and slow, but he personally saw and heard and touched Jesus. And he is raising his hands toward us in blessing. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Now, as we go into our prayer time, I just want to have you think for a little bit and ask, do you know that you belong to Jesus? Do you know that you are his? Do you have that assurance? Have you put your faith in him? Have you put your life in his hands? Do you, do you trust him to, to forgive you and forgive all of your sins? And I would say that there is no better time to do that than now. There is no better day to do that than today. I believe that Jesus has been reaching out to you for a long time, and he's waiting for you to open the door. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know what a sinner I am. I have gone my own way and forsaken yours. I have put what I want above loving you and loving others. I have turned away so many times from the path of righteousness. Please forgive me, Lord. And Jesus, I put my faith in you. You laid down your life for me. And I need you to come in and fill me with all that you are. Let the love of the Holy Spirit be poured into me, body, mind, and spirit. Jesus, I believe that you are alive, that you are raised from the dead, and that you reign as this world's rightful ruler. And now I surrender myself to you. I am no longer my own. I am yours. Do with me whatever you want. And today we pray for our church. Lord, lead us in the way we should go. Show us what we should do. 
and we will obey you, we will follow you. Give us kind and gentle hearts toward our sisters and brothers. Lord Jesus, help us to love each other and demonstrate that we belong to you. And now I'd like us to take a couple of minutes to to pray silently whatever is on our hearts. And I would invite you to come forward and stand or kneel at the steps and pray if you'd like. Or you may remain where you are seated and pray. Let's continue.